Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Jeff Kageris with Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care. We've proudly served the Middle Tennessee community for the last 26 years, and I want you to know we really appreciate you. Having an annual comprehensive eye health and vision exam is so important to the health of your eyes. From signs of diabetes, glaucoma, and cataracts, we're looking for it all. Don't let another day go by. Schedule your annual eye health and vision exam at Cool Springs or Donaldson Eye Care. From the in-office studios of his eye care practices in Nashville, Tennessee, it's As I See It with Dr. Jeff Kegaris, your source for eye care education and receiving the type of patient relationship you deserve. It is time for a patient revolution. And now, your host, Dr. Jeff Kegaris. Welcome this week to As I See It. I'm speaking with our chief surgeon, Dr. Mark Kroll. Welcome, Mark. Good morning. Appreciate having you here as always. Thank you. We're going to talk about not just cataract surgery, but our patients that come in that may be glaucoma suspects, but also those that have glaucoma and now have developed a cataract. Because when you have more than one thing in the eye, we need to be taking care of both of those aspects. And we have some, some pretty good, exciting options for those people, don't we? We do. Let's differentiate. The cataracts occur at what part of the eye? So the cataract is your natural lens in the eye that gets cloudy over time. And then glaucoma, though, does not affect in that area. It's the back of the eye. Tell us where where glaucoma is really occurring. What's the... Yeah, so, so glaucoma has to do with the fluid pressure inside the eye. If it's too high for what your optic nerve can handle, it can slowly damage that optic nerve. And you can, over time, start losing peripheral vision. Even though we did a great job uh, in the 70s, 80s, maybe even early 90s about going high pressure, high pressure, the reality is a lot of people have and can develop glaucoma without high eye pressure. Eye pressure is a risk. Uh, The higher it is on a successive repetitive basis, the more risk you have. But we've found out in the OAT study, the Ocular Hypertensive Treatment Study, that not everybody with high eye pressure, in fact, a, a, a small percentage will actually end up developing glaucoma. But we, it does prompt us to say, we need to determine, are you low risk, are you high risk, and look into that further. Now, when we have somebody that wants to have cataract surgery, if they have glaucoma, does that rule them out as a patient for cataract surgery? Absolutely not. In fact, nowadays, um, with some newer developments and techniques and treatment, it actually creates an opportunity. It does. The uh, cataract surgery in and of itself, with the way that you do it, high-speed ultrasound removing the, the cataract, the studies show that the average patient with, that has a cataract removed, if we measure their eye pressure before and then, say, a month, three months, six months after, their eye pressure actually goes down. So the procedure in and of itself is usually helpful, correct? Yes. Yeah, so even without targeting specialized treatments for glaucoma, we get typically some benefit just from removing the cataract. And that typically occurs, you know, the cataract's taking up some space in the eye. When we remove that cataract and put in the new lens implant, that lens implant takes up less space, sometimes allows that angle to open up between the the cornea and the iris where the fluid flows out of the eye and just naturally gives us some pressure-lowering effect. Okay. So now there is a risk of a temporary hurdle, and that is eye pressure can go up in some patients immediately after cataract surgery. And what's what's usually the cause for that in the first 24, 48 hours? So there's, there's a, a few causes. 
for that. Sometimes if there's a little bit of viscoelastic that's used at cataract surgery, if that's left in the eye, sometimes that can prevent the fluid outflow a little bit. But swelling and inflammation from surgery in and of itself can cause a little bit of a spike in that pressure. That typically resolves pretty quick, but but we do like to watch out for that. And when we're talking about a viscoelastic, we're talking about a cushioning fluid that Dr. Kroll puts in at the time of surgery to protect other structures in the eye, and then he removes that. But sometimes hard to get every little last drop of that out, right? Right. So, so for me, and I think studies have borne out, when I see do see somebody, maybe they came in as a mild glaucoma suspect, but if they have cataract surgery and they do have that first 24-48 hour spike in their eye pressure, I kind of look at that as a provocative test. That's an additional, hey, you may have a little higher risk just because most people have cataract surgery, don't get a temporary spike. You did. Maybe your system's kind of barely hanging on in, in its ability to filter fluid out of the eye. So we, we, we want to watch those patients closer on an ongoing basis as a glaucoma suspect in that case. That's right. They may not have had a problem up to that point, but if they do have that spike occur after surgery, we do like to watch them a little closer moving forward. So let's talk plumbing if we can. Okay. Let's talk about the eye. And we're not talking about tears, that fluid. We're talking about the fluid that's that's created in the eye, flows out inside the eye, that keeps the eye like an eyeball and not collapsing. Uh, talk to me about, and, and our audience, about the anatomy, where fluid's produced, where it drains out. So that fluid is basically called aqueous humor. It's produced in a part of the eye called the ciliary body, which is sort of a ring of tissue that's behind the iris. You can't see it. So it's produced there. The, the fluid flows through the pupil towards the front of the eye, and it leaves the eye in the angle between the cornea, the clear cornea at the front of the eye, and the iris. There's a little angle there. And like the flu- a sewer drain. Yeah, right? and, it, and it flows through that angle through a material called the trabecular meshwork, which which sometimes that material can be the cause of glaucoma if, if it's just not getting through that trabecular meshwork very easily. So we've got this fluid that's being produced all the time right behind the iris. It flows into the eye, comes through the pupil, and flows out in front of the iris through a bunch of Swiss cheese-type plates where it has to kind of percolate out, right? Yes. Sometimes it gets clogged. Sometimes other reasons that, that that's a meshwork that, that, you know, a lot of our glaucoma medications, in fact— either target lowering the production or most likely increasing the outflow of fluid, right? Whether we're opening up that meshwork or opening up the drain, et cetera. But there are some other things in addition to just doing cataract surgery that you can use now. And we call this a category of MIGS. What does MIGS stand for? Microinvasive glaucoma surgery, right? That's right. Which itself implies really small, fewer complications, more refined. Right? That's right. So the, the purpose of, of, of these mixed procedures is to be minimally invasive, less trauma on the eye, and basically the purpose of those is to try to bypass that meshwork structure that we just spoke about. So these are like little stents, kind of the world's smallest straw, if you will, right? Um, uh, tell, tell me about them. What, what are they? Because you put those in at the same time you do cataract surgery, right? You take out the cataract the same way, but then you also are going to treat the glaucoma by putting in one of these stents. Yeah, so, so the FDA has approved these microscopic stents, the size of which, if you're holding it on the tip of your finger, without a microscope, you'd have trouble seeing it. Mm. They're, they're really small. And so during cataract surgery, 
after the lens implant is put in, we can put that little microscopic stent through that trabecular meshwork, and it just acts as a shunt to get that fluid past that trabecular meshwork structure a little easier so that we're less dependent on eye drops to control that eye pressure and, and bring and, it down. And there are a few of these of these shunts or, or stents, if you will, and they, they connect the fluid that's kind of in the eye either deeper into the drain, right, or to a separate channel altogether. Is that how they're working? So the purpose is to get them into sort of a specialized channel called Schlem's Canal Mm -hmm. that then connects to the venous system of the body, and that's where the fluid ends up going. Mm -hmm. Um, So it basically bypasses the bottleneck where that fluid outflow can usually get held up. So if we're thinking about, again, plumbing or a sewer drain out in in the road here, if there's one sewer drain that's kind of blocked up, you can spend a whole lot of time trying to kind of ram something through there and open it up, or you can build another sewer drain next to it that goes down into the main sewer pipe, right? And now we've got a couple of options for that fluid to drain out. And anything that we do like that that makes fluid go out of the eye a little bit faster will lower the eye pressure. That's and right. thus, that is a treatable component of patients who have developed glaucoma. That's right? right. To lower the risk in some in some way. How effective have these stents been shown to be? They've been very effective. In, in my experience, if I have a patient that's on one, maybe two drops, most of the time I can get them off one drop, sometimes two drops after that. So it will lower their eye pressure maybe four or five points. So that's so really effective. Um, we That's a, as much as we're going to try to get with an eye drop or a laser. In fact, the, the standard way in the United States that we treat glaucoma, whether you're an optometrist or ophthalmologist, is you're going to start them on eye drops to lower the eye pressure, to put less pressure or risk to the optic nerve, or do a laser procedure first. If you're going to add to that after a laser, you may do laser again, or you may add an eye drop. If you've used eye drops, you may add more eye drops or do more laser, but it's kind of those two components. Now we're going in with cataract surgery, lowering the eye pressure a little bit there, but most importantly, putting in a a stent or with a MIGS procedure, microinvasive glaucoma surgery, very refined and lower the eye pressure further, and in some cases, uh, reduce the cost for the patient by them not having to be on so many medicines. Because we know all, I think all medicine is too expensive, let alone eye medicine, right? Yes. And it just, it just makes life simpler. You don't have to keep up with the eye drops morning and night like you might have been having to do for years. And so it's, it's, helps with compliance as well as cost. Well, that's right, because it's the, you don't require memory. We know that that stent's going to be working. 24 hours a day. You don't have to go, oh, I forgot to put that drop in last night. I know maybe the night before too. Mm-hmm. You know, we just know that it's going to be working all the time. You know, if we do eye drops or laser in the old days, it used to be, oh, well, the next step is surgery, a major surgery called a trabeculectomy or a filtering procedure. But MIGs have kind of replaced that as the next step. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? And why, why do we want to avoid having a filtering procedure? They have largely, re- largely replaced that. Sometimes that's still necessary, but I think on rare occasion now. But the reason we want to avoid those larger shunts and tribulectomies is because they're very invasive. It's a long recovery. The results sometimes are very unpredictable. Sometimes the pressure goes too low, and that's mm-hmm. a problem as well. Mm-hmm. And they require a lot of follow-up. And so these, these MIGS procedures have minimized the follow-up, are much more predictable on where the pressure ends up, 
and just less invasive on the eye. Yeah, if I'm if I'm in that situation, I'm going to want to get a MIGS procedure long before I get that filtering procedure. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, because we've got long-term follow-up risk of infection, making sure the bleb doesn't scar down or get too leaky, if you will. It's just a, there's a lot a lot to manage. Again, like you said, sometimes we need that, uh, but to bypass the opportunity of using a, a stent is uh, is becoming a, a much rarer thing at this point. Yes. And, and so most all of the stents have to be placed by insurance standards at the same time as cataract surgery. I think there may be one that is currently now or just about to be approved without cataract surgery. Where do you see the future of these microinvasive glaucoma surgeries going, including in that category, a lot of stents being placed? Where do you see kind of, you know, a year, two years, five years from now? What do you think? Yes, you're right. Up till now, the FDA has approved, and the only opportunity we have to use them is at the time of cataract surgery. But I think that will change. I think the success of these and how minimally invasive they are, I think these will be approved moving forward to be done as a separate standalone procedure. And honestly, some of them probably more in the office and not even have to be done in the surgery center possibly moving forward. Exactly. We even talked about, you know, so you're seeing some novel new ways to control eye pressure in our patients with glaucoma. Uh, I think eventually we'll have treatments for the cerebrospinal fluid and the fluid in the eye interface to protect the nerve. We don't have anything right there, that, but that's ultimately the name of the game is protect that nerve. Right now we know that lowering eye pressure has been proven effective. It's just a matter of how do we get there. We've got eye drops that either work on the fluid production, decreasing it, or increasing the outflow. We've got laser that improves the outflow. We've got MIGs, including the stents, the eye stent, uh, Omni, Hydrus, lots of these different procedures, and then some other, even micro, I won't say a pseudo-filtering procedure, but a, but other procedures that can lower eye pressure without the full trabeculectomy filtering procedure with inherent risks like that. So we're really seeing advances. Anything else that you want to mention on the uh, the benefit of of MIGs to patients that have glaucoma and cataract? Well, I just think the awareness of it is important. I, th- I think in ophthalmology and surgical care, that's probably been the fastest growing area in the last several years is the change in, in glaucoma surgery. So it's just, I see it as a missed opportunity if we don't take advantage of that at the right time for a patient nowadays. Yeah, and I think it's important with your optometrist or your ophthalmologist is treating you for your glaucoma that all of these options are discussed so that you know that we have a lot of arrows in our quiver. And this is not a cookie cutter. Glaucoma in and of itself is its hard to diagnose. It's hard to manage. It's hard to not undertreat or overtreat. But people do the best they can professionally. And I think knowing that you have a lot of options is, is a reassuring thing to people as we all try to improve both your vision centrally and peripherally with cataract surgery, but also in not making your glaucoma worse, but also having the potential to maybe treat your glaucoma in a it's kind of a two for one, isn't it? Two birds, one stone. It really is. Right? So that's economic, right? I'm sure the people that are that are earth green will really like that, right? <laughs> Less energy and more result, more better out, more and better outcomes. That's right. So there you go. Um, so we talked with Dr. Mark Kroll today. We learned a couple of things. Number one, if you have glaucoma, that does not rule you out from having cataract surgery. If we go into surgery, you will have the option of maybe at the same time of surgery having a small stent put inside, which you won't feel, won't know it's there. Um, we, we 
note, monitor that with a special lens after cataract surgery. Um, any big risks with that stint that you have seen or are aware of? There's some theoretical risk, but I, I have not had any problems with those afterwards where a patient has needed a second procedure for some reason. And the vast majority have had very good results. And um, I don't have any patients with regrets after yeah. getting those. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in fact, if we have regrets at all, sometimes when I see a patient who's had cataract surgery and they didn't get one, and then because insurance right now, for the most part, is not covering that as a standalone procedure, we really can't offer that. I mean, I guess you could pay with cash or, or that, but you know, for the most part, we go, oh, a missed opportunity at the time. You know, we could have taken the cataract out, gotten a couple or three millimeters of lowering eye pressure, another two to five millimeters of lowering with a MIGS. Man, you talk about that, that can be really significant and helpful for our glaucoma patients. So again, main goal, see better with cataract surgery. Secondary goal, make sure we don't make glaucoma worse. Third goal, maybe we can make the treatment for your glaucoma better, safer, easier, and less costly with MIGS. So if you want to make an appointment with Dr. Kroll to discuss cataract surgery, cataract surgery consultation, if you know you have a cataract, he provides cataract consultations here at Cool Springs Eye Care and Donaldson Eye Care. Make an appointment, 615-771-7555 at Cool Springs, 615-889-0147 in Donaldson. You can always go to coolspringseyecare.com, donaldsoneyecare.com, as always, if you have any questions on any of our podcast topics, particularly today on glaucoma, on cataracts, email me, Dr. Keg at coolspringseyecare.com. If you have a question for Dr. Kroll, just send me that. I'll forward it on to him. Uh, we're here to make your life easier before and particularly after cataract surgery, including managing your glaucoma. Dr. Kroll, I really appreciate you joining me today to kind of highlight this most recent, as you said, most recent kind of exciting development in the management and ophthalmology and surgical care. Yes, thank you for having me. Have a great week, everybody, and we look forward to seeing you here at Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care, where our goal is to provide you more than good eye care, a great health care experience. Enjoy your time till next week. This is Dr. Jeff Kegris. Bye-bye.